Well, good morning. Amazing news, isn't it? One day we will stand face to face with he who died to set us free. Man, what a day, and what a great day to celebrate that. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Whether you're a long-time member or a first-time visitor, we are so glad that you're here. And we hope and pray that you feel welcome, that you find this to be a, a safe place filled with some really, really good people. And I can say that because I've been here for 35 years, and I know it to be true. So I hope you find it to be true for you. But, but most importantly, we hope and pray that you experience the joy of Resurrection Sunday as we celebrate a future filled with hope through faith in Jesus Christ. Knowing, and this is really important, knowing and understanding that that this is not just some myth or fable made up by somebody that was then passed down from generation to generation. These are historical facts based on eyewitness accounts recorded in over 5,000 Greek manuscripts that still exist today well beyond any other manuscripts of other things that we believe to be reliable and true. And all of it, all of it points to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And just think about this. Here we are 2,000 years later still proclaiming the good news of this truth. It's in our songs. We sang about it. It's in this sermon. You'll see it in the baptisms, because as we just sang as well, the resurrection is not just some future hope. It is a present reality. It's a a present reality for all who believe. We can look around this place and see that there have been lives transformed by the hope of the gospel, leaving old ways behind, new creations in Christ, leaving old ways behind, and walking in new freedoms with the assurance of complete forgiveness found in Christ alone. Everything we do today points to those new possibilities. And and we absolutely believe and long for the day that we see Jesus face to face, and, and we are assured of that promise, but we need to understand that promise begins right now. We have been raised. The scripture tells us very clear. We have been raised to walk in a newness of life. And we've been empowered by the presence of God through the work of his spirit in our day-to-day, moment-by-moment lives. We have every reason to live right now with everlasting joy. But... Having said that, I do want to recognize that there are those who are here this morning who may not be experiencing that joy. In fact, to be honest, there may be some here this morning, I expect that there are, who really are not sure what to think about Jesus Christ at all. And I want you to know that's okay and we are glad you're here. And we hope that you find this to be a safe place to have the the freedom to ask hard questions. Because if there's any question that you ever face in your life, who the person of Jesus Christ is and what he's accomplished is the most important question you need to ask. So ask it. And we invite that when you come to this place and encourage you to do so. But, But we also know that there are those who are here this morning who do have a faith in Christ and yet they still 
find themselves in some really hard places. And as we all know, our our troubles don't take a holiday just because it's Easter, do they? In fact, sometimes the holidays are, are when our struggles are most difficult in our lives. But I pray that even amidst the the suffering that you may be experiencing in your life right now, that you find that your hope is renewed this morning. Because here's the deal. Easter is not a day when we dress up and pretend like everything's okay. There's no expectation. You need to understand that. There's no expectation for you to come into this place and push back all the pain and suffering that you may be experiencing in your lifetime and feel like it's just important to put on a happy face. Because the joy of Easter speaks tenderly to the the pain that plagues every one of us. So let me encourage you to come with whatever loss you lament. With, with whatever burden you carry, with whatever disappointment you face, because here's what Easter says. Easter says that it's not always going to be this way. That Jesus is alive. And that one day, he will make all things new. The one who has conquered death is inviting us, every one of us, into everlasting joy and When you know, he draws near to the brokenhearted, so be at peace, be comforted. Find mercy and grace in your time of need. So before we go to the Lord together and look at his word, let's pray with one another. Father, thank you for the privilege to come today with some old friends and some new friends, some familiar faces and some new faces, but I'm glad, sincerely glad that every person is here this morning, and I pray that every person experiences the fullness of the truth that's found in your word. Not not as some myth or fable, but as the absolute truth of God, spoken, God breathed into his word to then speak into the hearts of people to the praise and glory of his name. Lord, may we find the truth of the everlasting joy that is made possible in the risen Christ. Lord, speak powerfully through your word this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, if you spent any time in Scripture, you know that Jesus had some remarkable encounters with people during his lifetime. And I would say to you, probably none more remarkable than the ones that are seen in the very last hours of his life. And I think it's important for us, especially on a day like today, that that we look closely at those encounters. Because I believe when we do, we will see ourselves in these same encounters. Like the encounter Jesus had with Peter, one of his most trusted disciples. The one who boldly proclaimed, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Because Peter was convinced that Jesus had been set apart and that he was in fact the promised Messiah. He knew, he knew deep down in his soul that he would bring redemption and salvation to the world, but like all the other disciples, he just didn't know how. So you may be here this morning, and you may affirm Peter's same conviction in your own heart. You may believe with strong conviction in Acts 4.12 that says there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given unto men by which we can be saved. 
You may hold strongly to that because you believe in the words of Christ himself when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father but through me. Your conviction is real. Your faith is sincere. But if you're human, you are prone to wonder. And your commitment can be fragile. So maybe, just maybe, this scene in Peter's life will mean something to you. This scene takes place after Peter has already denied Jesus on two separate occasions. Look at what happens here on occasion number three. I'm in chapter 22 of Luke, and I'm going to begin in verse 59. This is what it says. After about an hour had passed, another man began to insist, saying, Certainly, talking about Peter, this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, because before the rooster crows today, you will deny me Three times, and it says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. Why did he weep? Well, I'll tell you why he didn't weep. He didn't weep bitterly because he looked into the eyes of Jesus and he saw disappointment. That's not what happened. I believe that he had conviction in his own heart of what had happened by his own hand, but what he saw in the eyes of Jesus was not disappointment. It was forgiveness and mercy and grace, and it brought him to his knees. And I think when you and I look into the face of Jesus, we need to see the very same thing. Regardless of our failures, When we look into the face of Jesus, we find forgiveness and mercy and grace. His his eyes are always filled. He's not one who's looking at us with with disappointment. He's not crossing his arms and, and kind of shaking his head in frustration or disappointment. His eyes are always filled with forgiveness and mercy and grace. Jesus doesn't walk away from our failures. He invites us into his forgiveness. And that's exactly what was happening that day with Peter. But I think if we're honest, there's probably some of us at some point in our lives, or maybe all of us at some point in our lives, where we felt like it it might be too late. That, that, That there's really too much water under the bridge. Too many wrongs that have been done. But the Bible says that it's never too late. That there is no point of no return this side of heaven. And we can see that being made clear when Jesus had his conversation with the criminals on the cross. Luke describes that encounter in Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 39. Listen, as it says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, at Jesus, saying, aren't you the Messiah? Well, then save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, 
This man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So clearly, it is never too late. Because we know that this man didn't have a chance to be baptized, right? He had never been discipled by anyone in his life. He was never the member of a church. And I promise you, he couldn't tell you the first thing about the doctrine of salvation by faith in Christ alone. He just knew that the man who was hanging on the cross, who was innocent, said that he could come. So we just need to stop and ask ourselves, how did he get in? What in the world did, did, did he do, having not been able to do any of those things that I listed, hadn't been disciples, hadn't been baptized, hadn't been a part of any true understanding of what it means other than understanding his own sin and the innocence of the one who hung there beside them. What did he do to get in? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. And the same is true for you and I. He simply recognized, as we read in the scripture, that he was being rightly condemned. He was deserving of the punishment he was receiving, but he cried out to the one who was innocent and asked him to rescue him. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And the same is true for us. We are just as guilty as those criminals on the cross. We are rightly condemned for our sin. Our salvation is never based on what we do for God. Our salvation is fully and completely based on what Jesus Christ has done for us. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of His grace, which have been lavished upon us. So maybe, like Peter, you believe, but you've turned away. Or maybe, maybe like the, the criminals on the cross, you, you think that Jesus could never turn towards you. Or perhaps, if you're honest, you really don't think about Jesus at all. Because you're probably doing just fine on your own. So, so why would you need that? Well, I think we see the evidence of this happening during those final hours of Jesus' life too. It, it, because it's terrible. Now, think about this. As terrible and, and as gruesome as a crucifixion was, there were those that were there that day who paid very little attention. We see that in Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 33, where it says, When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. The scene is really unimaginable if you think about it. Because here were these men, having been brutally tortured, hanging on a cross. 
pushing up on nail-pierced feet just enough to be able to catch breath in their lungs so that they don't suffocate and die, which is how many of them ultimately did die. All the while, those in charge of the execution were playing Yahtzee. They were rolling dice. They were playing a game. This is what was going on. Right there at the foot of the cross, playing a game to see who would benefit most from the death of these three men. Who who would walk away with with a new set of clothes when all this was said and done? All the while, Jesus was praying for the men who gave him no attention because his compassion far exceeds our interest. Always has. And Jesus, I believe, does the same for us. Because sometimes we we can be just as guilty as going through life the very same way. I'm excited about a Sunday like today. There's good reason for this to be an exciting day filled with with joy and hope and celebration. And and that's good. But I also know that, that, that many of us are guilty, probably all of us at some point in time, are guilty of pausing to reflect And then carrying on with life as normal as soon as we walk out those doors. Just like the soldiers. We got a job to do. And we don't pay much attention to the extravagant gift of love found in Jesus Christ. But, since you're here this morning, let me encourage you. To take a longer look. To to linger just a little bit and consider what you see. Because Jesus didn't just die for those who loved him. (laughs) He he died for his enemies too. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says that he's patient towards everyone. Not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. And, And I just wonder. I wonder if there was at least one soldier that day that did look long enough to consider what he was seeing that day. And I believe there was. Because we see that in Mark chapter 15 verse 39 where it says, When the centurion, one of the soldiers, who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this was the Son of God. See, my prayer for you is that you would look long enough this morning that you would find the same to be true. Surely, this is the Savior of the world. Jesus meets us in our moments of failure. He still rescues rebels. He's patient with those who have struggles and doubts And are distracted by lesser things. So be honest in your heart this morning. Don't pretend to push things away. But ask yourself, are there burdens that I'm carrying that don't belong to me? What are the losses that I lament? What are the disappointments that I face? And know that he speaks tenderly to the pain that plagues us all. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Look along and follow his example of faith because here's what's important. 
Jesus understands because he experiences who are, he experienced the same limited capacity of our humanity. We've been learning in Hebrews lately how he learned obedience through his suffering. We've seen how he was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So he can deal gently with us because he understands what it's like to be us. And he's inviting us to become more like him. Not by removing our struggles, but by finding hope in the midst of them. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, as we see as in his example of faith, what, what he's calling us towards, what he has made possible through faith, he's saying that he looked past his present struggles to see a future hope. He, he looked past the, the suffering and shame to, to a greater joy. And that's a decision that you and I have to make as well. Sometimes on a moment-by-moment daily basis looking past our present circumstances to the, to the hope of an eternal joy. Because I know there are some of you during this past year who stood at the bedside of someone you loved in the very hours of their life. And having been there myself, that's a painful place to be. But when they have put their hope in Christ... You can look past the pain of that moment and rejoice in the promise of life everlasting to come, the the hope that is set before us. And look, for every one of us, the statistics are undeniable. Every single one of us are going to die. I hate to break that to you, but it's true, okay? And so at one point, we're going to face our own mortality. And the question is, can you look past the fear of death to see the hope of the resurrection and life eternal through faith in Jesus Christ. See, that's what Jesus and his example is pointing us towards. And really, this is true no matter what your your experiences might be because there may be some here this morning whose life is pretty good and you know what I say? Praise the Lord. God promised that he would, or Jesus promised that he would give us a life and give it to us abundantly. So praise the Lord for that. But you also need to know that no matter how good things may be going in your life right now, it pales in comparison to the goodness that is yet to come. And for those of you who are suffering, I need you to know that it pales in comparison to the weight of glory that is still ahead of you. We see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. It says, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, fix your eyes not on what is seen, not on the circumstances around you, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So, like Jesus, we look past what is temporary to see the the hope that is eternal, made possible through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I've shared with our church family many times about the own struggles in my own life and realizing that worry 
Worry is imagining a future without God in it. And it should take you to your knees. That's a devastating thought. Ah, but hope. Hope is looking to a future that is filled with God. And that's the promise of Easter. That's what Jesus made possible through the resurrection. So remember, Easter says it's not always going to be this way. That Jesus is alive and that he will make all things new. And we can look forward to that hope of resurrection and we can live in that promise of a resurrected life right here and right now. Because Jesus still forgives us in our failures. He still rescues rebels. He's still compassionate towards those who may not even be giving him any interest, but you can rest assured he is drawing near and inviting you to put your trust in him. He is slow to anger, rich in loving kindness, patient towards us all, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why? Because he has made the resurrected life possible for you right now and for you eternally in his presence. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege of the hope of the resurrection. And thank you that we can step away on a day like today and draw our attention to this. But Lord, I do pray that when we walk out the doors of this church, that it doesn't change that message in our hearts. That we live the hope of the resurrection every single day. Lord, strengthen us in our doubts and in our struggles. Forgive us in our failures. Rescue us in our rebellion. And Lord, help us to find that the the thing that our heart longs for most, ultimately created by you, as you placed eternity in our hearts, is only satisfied through faith in Christ alone. Lord, will you make that possible this morning through eyes of faith, through the hearts of those who believe. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, for those of you who are getting baptized, you can make your way to the back. And uh, as they do that, I want to remind our church family and our guests that baptism is not just somebody individually getting up front to make a profession of faith about a decision they have made. Although that's part of it, it goes well beyond that. Because we believe that in the Christian faith, we are not only committing ourselves to follow Jesus Christ, we are committing ourselves to do so in the context of a biblical community of people who are all striving together towards the same goal, encouraging one another day by day. And so we need to understand that when they stand up there for baptism and give their testimony to you, you as their church family are responding to them with a commitment to walk with them, to pray for them, to encourage and disciple them in their new faith. And this morning there is a special opportunity for us to hear from a very powerful testimony of an individual in our church and because it's something that's unlike what our normal context is, I wanted you to understand very clearly what this story is all about. So guys, if you want to run that. Amen. Well, I was sincere when I told you this morning that I am really glad you're here. And I want you to know we do this every Sunday. 
And we do it because we have something that we celebrate every Sunday that's not unique to Easter. <laughs> and so we invite you to come and be a part of this and be loved by this amazing family because we serve an incredible God. And it is very real and it is very rich in the midst of these people. So we're so glad you're here and hope you have a wonderful Easter day. You're dismissed. Have a great day.